0: This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. So so glad that you're here. We're, we're kind of week number six in this series called Locked Up not out. And during the time, the summertime here, and probably into the fall, for sure into the fall, we're looking at four of Paul's letters that he wrote from prison. So we're looking at Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And we may not take them in exactly the order that they're in your Bible, um, but we'll be looking at those four. Those are the four that are attributed to Paul and written during his, his prison time. And the, the, the series is called Locked Up, Not Out, for a really, really good reason, and it's this. It's the power of the gospel to change lives regardless of what comes against it. And so you, you can try and lock it up, but it's not going to work because it's Jesus Christ, right? It's, it's the power of the gospel at work in the world today. So lock it up, you just can't lock it out. So we're taking a look, uh, look at that today. And in Ephesians, if you're reading that, and I hope that you are, there are six, it's not a long book, six chapters long. And it really divides this way. So it divides... Chapters 1 through 3 into really doctrine or or what we believe. And we talked about doctrine, the importance of a solid biblical doctrine a couple weeks ago. That's the foundation on which we stand. And then chapters 4 through 6, where we're starting today, are really how we walk this thing out. You see, it's one thing to believe it, right? And we should. But it doesn't stop there, we, we walk it out. And so my goal this morning is to somehow, some way, get you to say, ouch, that hurt. That's my pastoral love for you, see? Uh, because I, listen, here's the reason why, because I already, I've worked through the material, I've already said ouch, numbers of times, and I don't wanna be left alone in that thing, so it's gonna be all of us, all of us together. I have a close friend who, a year ago, just over a year ago, um, was, was diagnosed with some pretty significant health issues. Um, um, young guy, like myself, and uh, was in the hospital and um, um, uh, had to have all five of his five-way bypass. Three of them failed. Um, ended up back in the hospital um, when he discovered they also had stage four colon cancer and is walking through that battle right, right now. And God is being good, and the pathway looks, looks good right now. But here's what I want to tell you. He's walking through what we talked about last week, circumstances change, purpose remains. And he's doing so in a way that I pray, God, if, I, if I'm ever in that position, would you just allow me to walk this life out like my, my good friend is doing and he's doing so in a way that's impacting the lives of those around him. It's building faith up in those who are followers. It's also drawing people to the, to, to the faith. He recently wrote about a friend who had received the same, same diagnosis that he did, his cancer diagnosis, and how this friend came alongside of him. And the encouragement that it brought to him. And Why? And I think you would like probably know, already thought, because once you've been through something, you really speak from a different place, don't you? Kind of, I've been there, done that, so I know what you're facing. I know what thoughts are going through your mind. I know, I know the emotions and so on. And so on. Um, it's different and it's at a more meaningful level. When someone comes, you say, look, I know what you're going through because I've been there myself. If you're facing challenges or struggling a bit, you're in that place to help somebody, but you're also in that place to receive. Let me try to illustrate it this way. If I'm gonna jump out of an airplane, strapped to someone else, which actually some, some, some of you have, um, and call that fun, which you do, um, I, yeah, I, I knew it, um, I want to know that that person that I'm strapped to has been there before right? So can you imagine if, if you're in that plane and you're strapped to that person, you're getting ready to jump out, and they, they turn around and tell you like, hey, this is the first time I've done this? Like there is no confidence in, in, in that at all, right? There's no confidence at all. And so when we get into the opening of chapter four here, Paul is speaking from a place of knowing what suffering is all about. So he's speaking to you and to me. See, so he's been there, done that, so he's speaking from this place of suffering. He's in prisoner and in his own words as a prisoner of the Lord, we talked about that last week and if you wanna get caught up, just go to gatewaynk.com and you can find the teaching there. But he's a prisoner of the Lord and he's speaking from a place of suffering. In fact, at the close of his letter, and we'll get to there, chapter six, he even requests prayer for himself to continue right sharing the good news of the gospel. And it's from that place, Um, that he encourages you and me today to walk out this faith in a way that's honoring of the Lord and it's a way that will build up the faith of one another and it will impact the world around us. So this is what we're going to be talking about in the first opening verses of chapter 4. We're not going to make it through chapter 4 today, just the first part. Um, He raises the bar, I'll say it that way, in how we live our life. And it's going to be challenging. It is challenging. Jay Vernon McGee, who is a great Bible teacher, he's passed on, says this about Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. And then as we get into chapter number four, he says, we visited the mountaintop of the Christian life in Jesus Christ. You may remember the second week we went through the spiritual blessings. We visited the mountaintop of the Christian life in Jesus Christ. Now we turn to our daily walk at street level. Are we able to translate the truths of the mountaintop into how we live each day? I mean, we could probably stop right there and just have an open discussion, couldn't we, on the difficulty sometimes of kind of walking this out. Why? Because there's a lot of challenges coming against you and me. There, there are. And sometimes it's hard, it's difficult to, to walk it out for you and for me. My sixth grade Sunday school teacher Um, um, on the top of the door in our little classroom, he had this phrase, and maybe you've heard it, right? Talk the walk, walk the talk. You gonna talk the walk? You gonna believe in that? Like, you better walk the talk as well because people are watching you and me, yes? I've often thought, like, we live in a fishbowl, and we do. We live in a personal fishbowl. We live in a fishbowl here called Gateway um, Fellowship. And people are, are, are watching us. And so as we dive in the first part of Ephesians and these next chapters of Ephesians chapter 4, we're going we're gonna to learn how to walk out this faith, I think, in a way that is, is God-honoring. So um, chapter 4 opens this way, just verse number 1. He says, I therefore, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you. Everybody say urge. Because that's going to be important to us in a moment. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, uh, it's interesting because when I, when I again, read that, that verse, the very first thing that came to my mind is here's Paul, right? He's in prison and he's, he's urging us from a place that he understands what it's like. And he's saying, look, I, I want you to walk this out in a manner that's worthy. He's doing it and now he's, he's urging us, to the, to, this, to the same thing. I, I think we can easily understand what Paul means when he says, I urge us, I urge you. I love the way that the NLT version says, and I, I read the NLT version as well. Some of you do. It uses a different word there, and I think it's, it's really powerful. Therefore, I, I a prisoner for the, serving the Lord, mm-hmm. beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Now, we're gonna come back to that in just a moment but I, 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 I beg you can you can you get the sense of what's going on here like I'm urging you and I am please, please begging you to do this because how you walk this life out that's the part that's seen by others and so Paul addresses how we walk out this truth as a church the body of Christ and then he uses a word that ought to characterize this walk and the one word is guess what anybody want to guess well, there it is right there. So you don't even have to guess, right? But I say unity. Unity. So he says, I'm gonna beg you to walk out as a body of believers, as the Church of Jesus Christ, to walk out it this way in a in, in a sense of unity. Why? I don't need to tell you this because God is not a God of disunity. God is not a God of disunity. He calls us to walk in a way that honors him that as a body of Christ, is together. Remember from last week, and we've been talking about that we, we're all part of the same body, and so that's what the gospel does. It brings us into one, right? So one body, regardless of your faith journey, so I don't care like you're the worst sinner in the world, or someone might say, you're the worst, doesn't matter. Um doesn't matter what your past was, um, the wrongs or the rights or whatever, because it's not based on our works anyway. He brings us together into one body regardless of race, regardless of your economic status, regardless of what you did or what you didn't do, and we are, we are a one body. This means that we're stuck together. So why don't you look at your neighbor and go, I'm, I'm stuck with you. I'm stuck with you. Like, when you look around here, like we are stuck, we are we are stuck together, right? So we, we might as well learn how to live together. Okay? And we're gonna talk about three ways that we're gonna do this. God's purpose, according to Paul, is to use the church that's you and me. Now, this is critical, this is important to display who he is and the new relationship that we are brought into. Um, and we talked about the Jews and Gentiles being brought into one body. So it's God's purpose that you and I, as the church, as his body, put on display for others to see who he is and this new relationship and this would be communicated through the church now i don't need to remind you i don't think that you and i are the church we're the body of christ and this would be displayed through unity coming together ephesians chapter 3 verse 9 just going to back up to a chapter here god who created all things so that through the church that you and me The manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. My commentary says this, as the angelic hosts witness the church, they must admit that having Jews and Gentiles in one body is evidence of God's wisdom. Let me say it this way. Having us all come together from various walks in life, various experiences, um, all come together as one forgiven in Christ is evidence of who God is. The whole plan was in keeping with God's eternal intent, which he accomplished through Jesus Christ alone. And the implication is this, that God's wisdom is becoming known even in the spiritual realm as a result of what is taking place through the church. Now, if, if nothing else happens in your minds today, I, I just would, 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 would want this, that we see how we live this out together as so vitally important because people are watching us. That we have a purpose individually, but we have a purpose as a church, as a faith community. When we come together like we're doing today, and when we do this life together in a way it's honoring the Lord, it's saying something. To people who are watching. And when we get to the book of Philippians, we're gonna be talking about this. As Philippi was a colony of Rome, and, and Paul, or in one version, says, like, your citizenship is in heaven. We're gonna talk about what, what that means, but what it's basically saying is, like, as you live out this life, reflecting on who he is. Others are going to take notice. And guess what? They're going to be attracted to this way of life because of the love that they see and what is taking place within this community. So we, we have a job to do to live out this way. And sometimes it can be hard. We'll take a look at that in, in just a moment. So we understand the language here when Paul says, I, I'm, I'm begging you and the intensity, I think that he is writing those words. So let's look a little bit more at it. He says, therefore, I, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your a, a, of your calling beg like exhort um, it goes beyond encouraging I think I think it's 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 at a level deeper than just encouragement I've described it this way it's like when you encourage someone you pat them on the back you know and you tell them good job they're doing but when you exhort them you kick them in the rear end you know like you're exhorting them and I think the begging is right along that same line worthy of your calling worthy of your calling of which we all have this calling. The word worthy literally means equal weight, or one's calling and conduct should be in balance. So the calling is not just referring to a believer's salvation, but also to our union into one body. And so our conduct, our Christian conduct, is involves both our personal life and our responsibility to one another. So there's, there's a balance there. So it's just not just me and God. It's me, God, and you. And that's the balance that is to be struck here, the church. Too often, something happens though. Something gets in to divide us, right? Now, you wouldn't believe, or maybe you would believe, some of the stupid things that divide the church, I'm going to tell you some of them, right? Some of the stupid things. And, and you know, now, um, th- these are not coming from me. I could probably give you some things, you know, that we've, we've dealt with as, as a body and, and we've dealt... In, in ways I think that have been God-honoring and I think in some, probably some ways that have been challenging, but Tom Rayner is a, is a church consultant, well, well-respected church consultant, so he tweeted out one time, he goes, hey, tell me, tell me what caused division in your church, and, and what he got back was quite, quite amazing because church members and leaders took that opportunity to share um, the things that were, that happened, that divided Their church kind of their experience. I'm going to give you all them. I'm just going to give you the top 10. Well, I think of the top 10 of the 25 that, that he listed. Are you ready? These are the things that slipped in and created disunity amongst churches, right? Number one, argument over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. Now, Jason has a goatee, so okay. Okay, fight. Over whether or not to build a children's playground or to use the land for a cemetery. There you go. A fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer or the lobby. And then this one, I, I, I probably, sh- probably shouldn't give it, I won't plant any ideas here. A petition have all church staff clean shaven. <laughs> and all the bearded guys go, no. Okay, Um, number five, a dispute in the church because the Lord's Supper had cran-grape juice instead of grape juice. Because we know the Bible calls for grape juice, right? Sure. This one involves the youth. They'll be here at 10.30 all up there. Major conflict when the youth borrowed a crock pot that had not been used for years. Now, these are true. No, these are true. These are not made up. I got just a few more. An argument on whether the church should allow deviled eggs in the church meal. (laughs) Because, you know, deviled eggs are of the devil. This one's good. A church member was chastised because she brought vanilla syrup to the coffee server. It looked too much like liquor. Two more. Actually, I don't really think this one's too bad. An argument over whether to have gluten-free communion bread or not. Actually, I think that's probably not a bad idea. And number 10, um, a dispute over whether the church should allow people to wear black t-shirts since black is the color of the devil. So now I wear black t-shirts a lot. I mean, not this morning, but hey, so these are the things, these are true. These are the things that can slip in and the enemy can just use these things to create disunity in the church. And guess what the world sees? Yeah, and see what happens, though. It usually doesn't start big. Division usually doesn't start big. It begins very, very small. It's like a wedge, right? Um, Now, my wife was splitting a bunch of wood last week, or a couple days ago. I was there helping her, okay? Someone said, like, you should never ask your wife what's for dinner when she's mowing the lawn. Okay, so... um, (laughs) No, she, no, I actually set her up with a, you know, one of these power things, right? So it was all good. It was just a lever, all right? Um, anyway, so that, that thing worked with a wedge, right? It just starts small. And then the, the further it drives in, then it splits. This is how the enemy works amongst us. It's just a little thing that kind of gets planted. And the further it's driven in, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And suddenly, there's a split. You would almost think that Paul is looking at the church today. I'm talking about the big C church. Wouldn't you? And, and, and so he says this like, I'm just begging you. Walk this, walk this thing out now in a way that's honoring of the Lord. Now, the question is, what is he begging us to do what are the marks of unity in the church and this is where i think maybe we might say ouch just a little bit we're going to talk about that they've been referred to as 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 graces and so i'm going to give you three here they are i'm going to tell you what they are and if anybody walks out i will see you and i will have the cameras pointed to you okay so humility gentleness patience anybody said anything Humility, gentleness, and patience. And I'm gonna give us, um, I'm going to give us a, kind of a pathway here. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be co- re, uh, called to remember something. We're gonna do that. I'm gonna give you that. And, and then the practice, how we practice this thing. And then I'm gonna give you a, a proverb. So let's take a look at humility. So um, my friend Mark, who pastored here before I did, said, um, I, I'm gonna write a book someday how I met the three most humble people and how I met, how, how'd it go? I just, I just screwed it up. Um, the, 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 the most three humble people I've, I've known, how I met the other two. That's it right there. So anyway, humility. Um, it, and I don't think it should be lost on us. I don't think that um, uh, this is the first characteristic that Paul lists. I think it's kind of interesting. I, I think I would do that too if I were writing my kids a letter, if I were writing you a letter. I'd probably put the most important thing at the very, very start. And I think that he, he does it. Paul lists humility as an evidence of unity in the body of Christ. Now in Greek culture, um, humility was saw as, as a vice to be practiced only amongst the slaves. That was it, right? So Paul is saying something to us here. This is what needs to live within your church, within your faith community. Here's what we're going to remember. Humility promotes unity. Pride promotes disunity. Everybody say, can you say it with me? Humility promotes unity. Pride promotes disunity. Pride will always distance you from someone else. If you've known a prideful person, you know this is true, right? Um, You will distance yourself from that person. This is what pride does. Humility promotes unity. Pride promotes disunity. Humility is an absence of self where pride promotes self over others. Great example, of course, from Philippians chapter 2. We'll be looking at this book later. Um, Verses 1 through 8. It's the attitude of Christ. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that, Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He humbled himself in obedience to God. And so, as we're walking in humility, we're walking in obedience to God. Our, our Father. So we're going to remember humility. Listen to Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. We just walked through Galatians. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love that verse. <laughs> even when, right? It's kind of like, even, even when you think you, hey, you're not that important, neither am I. Humility. So what's our practice? So that's what we're going to remember. Our practice is this, okay? Lift up another through words of affirmation and action. So lifting up one another through words of affirmation and action. That's what ought to live within the church. That promotes humility. That promotes unity. That is humility. Um, Here's the proverb. Are you ready? Verse 118. Now, many of us will read a proverb a day but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. And you go like, well, what's that going to do with humility? Well, Dick Brogdon, who's a, who's a friend, and he's a friend of this church, in a book called Proverbs Amplified and Applied, he, he writes this, reflecting on humility and pride. He said, following the demise of others is really just waiting for your own decline and fall. Counter to the dog-eat-dog philosophy of the world, a philosophy that demands competition with others to advance, Christianity shockingly charts that, that the way to advancement is promoting the strengths of those around you. In the world, you step on the backs of others, biting them as you climb in order to achieve. In the body of Christ, or the church, you get down on your hands and knees and let others stand on your back. It's self-evident that the most stable stance is that which has hands and knees planted on the firm ground of humility. There you go. Saying out yet? Number two, second grace, gentleness. This is what I'll just call a life of control. Everybody say control, right? Gentle, life of control. Let me let me talk about. Um, um, it's been stated this way, and I, I think it's well stated. One who is controlled by God is angry at the right time, but never angry at the wrong time. Have you ever been angry at the wrong time? I mean, like that's an ouch, right? I have, right? But someone who lives this life of control, this 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 attitude of gentleness, is angry at the right time, but never angry at the wrong time. Is controlled. Is spirit controlled. And so here's what we remember. Gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. Gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit. This gentleness is to mark our speech and actions toward others and reflects on Christ. Now next week, we're going to get to the second part of Ephesians 4. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about our words and and our speech. But gentleness is to mark our speech and our action toward others. And it reflects on Christ. Now, will you say it with me? because I think it's true, this is hard. Do you agree with that? It is hard. Um, let's, let's, let's be honest, because self gets in the way. And why is it hard? Because when you and I are attacked, we often react rather than act. And so we're reacting to the attack. We're reacting to the hurt that was just brought into your life. And, and, and instead of acting in a way that I think Christ calls us to do, it's hard. We, we react, we react to the attack rather than act from our life as a follower of Christ. It's hard, it's difficult, but it's, it's, it's doable because of the spirit that lives in us. He gives us everything to live out this life first peter chapter 3 verse 15 but in your hearts honor christ the lord is holy always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it he says with gentleness and respect the word gentleness in second timothy chapter 2 the lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil correcting his opponents with what's the word Gentleness, and so when he says able to teach, it's not necessarily always everyone has to be able to standing on a stage or whatever your platform is. Uh, it's not really talking about that. He's talking about how we live out our lives. Our lives are teachers to those watching us, and our life as we live this out in a community like this is teaching others about Christ. Here's the proverb. Um, oh, gen- here's the practice. Gentleness through kindness, not reacting out of our hurt or attack. So you're gonna have the chance to live that out this week, and so am I, right? Maybe within this community or maybe out in the, out in the world. We're, we're going to have the opportunity to walk this out. The question is, will we? I hope so. Here's the proverb, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So anybody been on both sides of that proverb? Probably all of us, right, in one way or the other. The last, the last one is this, patience. Now, if you're sitting here thinking like, when is he going to be done? <laughs> you need this point, okay? <laughs> patience, patience, all right? Um, anybody have trouble with patience? Uh, yes, okay, me, me too. My, my mom was, you know, she, she's... Change her addresses. She's with Jesus now, but, you know, mom, mom taught me, like, you do it now, you don't do it yesterday, and now's better than the next minute, you know, so that, that's me. I, I struggle with patience at, at times, but here's what, here's what we're going to remember as we walk this out. Patience releases our desire to control, but it never gives up. Patience, let me, let me talk about, patience releases our desire to control, Um, In one of Paul's other letters, we'll get to that in Colossians, he writes this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now patience has a direct um, correlation to the next part of that verse, which I don't have on the screen, because we're gonna talk about it in a second, that we gotta bear with one another. Bearing with one another. The Bible talks about bearing one another's um, burdens. This is not what we're talking about here. We're going to bear with one another. We're going to be patient. The action of bearing with one another requires patience. Bearing with one another gives another the space to grow. You with me? Bearing with one another allows people to come into our faith community and be struggling in life and have questions even about the faith and, 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 and doing their very, very best as, as the Lord enables him to be like Christ and we give them and we give one another the space to do this. This is bearing with one another and it takes patience. I want you to think if you're a parent about your kids. When your, when your baby was born, you didn't ex- expect immediately maturity, did you? No, of course not. I mean, this is a baby, and there are baby steps to take along lives, and as they grow up, they mature. And then they get to be teens, and they go backwards, right? I'm um, kidding about that. But anyway, they mature as they grow. And as a parent, we give them the space to do that. And we allow them sometimes to learn the hard lessons. This is what Paul's talking about. He says, live it out this way. Be patient with one another. Bear with one another. Give one another space. Too often, I think, and we're going to be done here in a second, but too often, we rush in to fix what God is working on. Because we got a better plan than God. right so look I'm going to tell you how to do this right now there's wisdom of the scripture that we all we all go to but too often we walk in we rush in um try to fix what God's working on in that person's life because our plan is always better we give people space so here here's the practice this morning that we're gonna we're gonna work on as a community here it is right here um Patience through waiting. So maybe there's the place for us to just kind of step back and bear with one another and have patience. Here's, here's the proverb. Chapter 16, verse 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. We're going to be slow. We're going to be patient. We're going to allow the spirit to guide. In the Bible calls us to an eagerness to maintain the unity of the spirit. Um, Be eager about this. Like, let this captivate you. Look for opportunities to live this out within our faith community. This is not our gig, right? It's God's. It's his body. It's his church. And he calls us to this. This is not our story to walk out. Um, This is his story. This is his story that becomes our story, and so we now walk out what he has done in our life. You with me on that? It's the gospel that lives, and so we walk out his story individually and as a church. So let me ask you a question, and maybe it's the obvious question. So how's your walk going? Walk to talk, talk to walk. So how, How's your walk going? In three particular graces, um, humility, gentleness, and patience. Which one might be a... Str- now, I know, listen, uh, at home, here, I get, some of you got this thing dialed in really, really well. And I think that that's true. But some of us need work, right? And so I'm going to ask us in just a moment to stand Here's how I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Um, for humility, because maybe that's, that's where we are. And we're gonna offer that up to the Lord. So Lord, I wanna walk this thing out um, in, in a way that you have called me in this area of humility. Be humble, right? Pride has kind of slipped in maybe just a little bit. We're not gonna have you raise your hands or anything. God knows your heart. Maybe gentleness is, is the issue, right? Maybe it's backing away a little bit from the harsh words. I, I don't know um, how it looks, but God does. And maybe you offer that up or... Um, maybe patience today, maybe this kind of giving giving God the opportunity to work in a person's life, maybe bearing with one another, maybe giving one another space. But here's what I pray, as we commit ourselves to these things, what the world's going to see is a church united. Because we have a story to walk out, not your story, not mine, his story, and the gospel unites people. Let's stand together, shall we? And so, Father, we we, uh, just uh, lift our lives to you this morning once again. And uh, maybe some of us said, ouch, this morning. Maybe we said it more than once. But God, I I would pray that, that as we commit ourselves to walking out not our story, but your story in our lives and in this church in a way that brings us together In a way that causes the world, those who are not walking with you, to see your church walking in unity, loving one another, caring for one another, bearing with one another. Lord, that will be so attractive. They'll be attracted not not to not not to this church, not the gateway, but to you. As we lift you up, so Father, um, some of us are lifting up humility this morning some of us are lifting up maybe our struggles with uh, gentleness kindness maybe some of us are lifting up this whole issue of patience lord whatever it is we would just allow your spirit to live in our in our lives work in us and through us and lord may we leave this place today recognizing the glorious wonderful incredible opportunity to let you shine through us. In Jesus' name, amen.